just a few film nerds breaking out of the rut, drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut. Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks, and come and listen in where measuring flicks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I am Carl Hartley, and I am Max Peterson. Welcome to October. What we are doing for you this... I'm so excited about this month. Oh, man. We are doing the Universal Monsters. But we're not doing the ones you think. No. We wanted to do the the ones that don't get as much coverage. Uh, there's Because there's a lot of Universal Monster movies. Everyone knows Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula... So what we decided to do was take a look at the ones that don't quite get the rock star press And we started with 1954's Creature from the Black Lagoon I, can I, alright, briefly, I'll tell you Directed by Jack Arnold, starring Julia Adams, who passed away this year Oh wow February 3rd, 2019 Um, She was also, a bird and I recognized her immediately We were like, where do we know her from? Don't look at your phone, try and figure it out Murder she wrote. She plays a oh, no she shit. plays a realtor, a man hungry realtor on <laughs> on uh, on Murder She Wrote. She is phenomenal in this movie. Yeah. We'll talk about it as we go through, but it's also starring Richard Carlson, Richard Denning, Antonio Moreno, Nestor Paiva, Whit Bissell, and the uh, the Gill Man is played by two different people. In the water, that's Rico Browning and I was wondering. And yeah. on land it's Ben Chapman. Two different suits as well. And shot by different units. Well, they would have, I mean, we'll the, get into the it. The underwater stuff is all second unit shooting. Yeah, I pretty think. new technology. Incredible, though. Yeah. This, Dude, this it looks really fucking good. I was talking with Bird about this on the way home, and look, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. My, you know what? As it turns out, me too. I've never seen this movie before. I thought I had. I'm going to give it a year. I'm going to give it time. I'll, I'll get back to you next October on this, but as of right now, where this sits Right now, I think the creature from the Black Lagoon may now be my favorite Universal monster movie. Yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein, what for me was always my number one. I loved Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. I loved Dracula; those were my top three in that order. But right now, where I'm sitting, and I've I've watched this movie since we decided to do it. And I appreciate you waiting times. a year because it is new. Sometimes sometimes a new a newness yep. will yep. ratchet a thing up. Right, but right. I have similar thoughts. I think that this yeah. might be my favorite Universal monster movie. This movie is, for me, I think perfect. This, I mean, there are there are gaffes in this movie. Sure, there you there's at one point if you watch it in its original aspect ratio, you can see a telephone pole above the trees. That's funny. But like the the gaffes don't matter at all mm-hmm. because the movie's so damn strong, and it's a 1954 flick too. And when when we start talking about the content of this movie. Insanely brave for 1954. Yeah, there's layers, man. This is a powerful. They're film. not talking about just a fishy, fishy in the Amazon. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like. So let's talk about before we get started. Before we go any further, let's talk about Millicent Patrick. Okay, dokie. So, do you know anything about? Do you know any any behind the scenes? Anything? Nope, about I didn't this? look up anything. All right. So. The, you will notice in the opening credits of this movie that the special effects makeup, the makeup department, mm-hmm. is c- credited to one person, one man, Bud Westmore. Bud Westmore has taken, since this movie came out in 54, has been the sole credit for the creation of the creature from the Black Lagoon. He did not create the creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, shit. 
a an actress, makeup artist, and special effects designer and animator who worked for Disney and then later Universal named Millicent Patrick drew the original design for the creature. She drew two. Her what you see on screen is one hundred percent her work. Holy she shit. designed that monster. And she was completely whitewashed out of history by Bud Westmore. If there's one thing I want to stress. That's so interesting because some of the plot is people taking credit for other for people's, other people's work. work. Yeah. Holy shit. So Millicent Patrick designed the, not only did she design the creature, she, her work, she was also an, uh, a model. So her work was so excellent that they sent her on a three month I think it's a three month long press tour called the beauty who created the beast they did it for so that she you know as a press tour to help her uh, or help the movie get promotion and stuff it went amazingly she was really photogenic she interviewed really well everything went great she got back to Universal Bud Westmore had her fired and then struck her names from name from the credits of the film Jesus because he was jealous so he worked on like because she was getting fabric- all this press, yeah, and, and all this attention, and she was a woman, and he was the head of the makeup department, and so he got her fired, and he struck her name from the credits, and only recently is she starting to get wow. her recognition for what she did. Um, he did look. Bud Westmore did work on lots of projects as a makeup guy. He worked on To Kill a Mockingbird. He worked on The Andromeda Strain. Oh wow! Yeah, dude. so he's like he's done stuff, right? But he. In my opinion, I think Bud Westmore should go down in history as nothing but a grade A asshole. Yep. Honestly. I'd be okay with that. He, rather than how he's known now as the, quote, creator of the Gill Man. um, Also, I'd like to point out that as of right now, I don't know if this has changed, but as of like the end of 2018, the largest building on the Universal Studios backlot is named in his honor because of his creation of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Holy shit. And no one even knows who the fuck Millicent Patrick is. Fuck. So let's start, start there. With that. Yep. Let's start right there. Millicent Patrick. Do you, you know that that little Disney film, Fantasia? She was the color animator on that. Jesus Christ. One of one of many, but right, she was yeah. one of the color animators on Fantasia, and then she Small created the Gilman. Disney flick. Yeah. That and then she got erased from history because a uh, fucking dude wanted a, a wanted jealous credit. dude. Fuck that yeah. shit. So Millicent Patrick. Remember that name, everybody. Seriously. Uh, there is a book out about her right now. Uh, it came out, I think, in 2018. It's called The Lady from the Black Lagoon. To be totally honest, the review kind of did say that it. Uh, some of it seems kind of like fluff. That Fair there's enough. not a ton there for a full-length book. And that it also has a, a completely outraged tone the entire time. That oh, can, that's can a become bit, a little grating. Yeah. But at the same time, there isn't a whole bunch of information about her. And she's definitely worth a look. So The Lady I from the it. Black Lagoon. I wanted to start with that. I think this is fair enough, man. That's it's a good place where to we start. get the creature. <laughs> the for creature from sake. the yeah. fucking Black Lagoon. Um, I was very surprised to learn that there are two sequels to this movie. One came out in '55. Oh, wow. One came out what, in '56. What, what, what is it even called? I don't even know. Revenge of the Creature. And then the third one is called The Creature Walks Among Us. Both of them, the, the Revenge of the Creature, they use a, like uh, a more a shittier looking suit. Sure. And by the time they get to The Creature Walks Among Us, that suit is garbage. Wow, are it's these a, all Universal releases? Mm-hmm. And they would have to be. It's they're the actual, IP, yeah. like they're legit sequels. And then the un, one of the unofficial remakes is uh, 2017's The Shape of Water, which we'll also watch for this show. Uh, Bert we and I, oh, go ahead. No, I bought I bought that almost a year ago when we were originally going to do it for a Guillermo, Guillermo del, del Toro, Toro month. Yeah, we haven't watched it. yet. We watched the trailers for the two sequels. 
Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Carl. <laughs> oh, Carl. Oh, no. So this, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right, so there we go. So that's one thing I wanted to start with, Nellis and Patrick. Second thing, this is, the according to Stephen King, this is the first film he remembers watching ever. This is his first movie oh, memory. wow. Yeah. So given your long walk with the King series, yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to show you that this nice. is Stephen King's first movie how that he great, remembers. How great is this to be your first cinematic you memory? Now, I realized... Mine is E.T. E.T.? Yeah. Well, mine's Seven Samurai. Wow. But we were... So we were talking about... Um, Bird and I were talking about this. Because I've seen... Like I said, I've seen this movie three times in three days. I keep watching it over and over. It's so good. When I was a kid, I think my brother had just been born. So I would be between four and five years old. My dad used to take me to Michigan Tech with him while, when he went to work. And he would drop me at their library, basically... Because he was friend, you know, he worked at the university. He knew the librarians, and I would just hang out in like the kids area. And basically, I was that was my daycare was reading in right. the Michigan Tech Library, and I'd get a bunch of books. Very and, similar with me and my dad at Ferris State, kind of going to the university and right. sitting and like. Well, that my babysitters were kind of hard to find. We didn't have oh, the yeah. money for that, well, so I just bring same. a bunch, I'd bring same. a bunch of books and hang out in my dad's yep. office while yep. he typed on his computer. Same. But the first, the first book I remember getting from that library, they had a whole section, and it was all of the Universal Monster movies done as like junior novelizations. Very cool. Like you know, the, they 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 condensed the movie down to like thirty pages, forty pages, lots of pictures. Yep. They had the Blob, they had Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Invisible Man. And Creature from the Black Lagoon And I would check those books out I would come in, I'd check them out when they were due I'd come back and renew them until I couldn't renew them Then I'd return them And then the next time we'd come in, I'd check them all back out The book that I remember the best From those And the only movie of those That I hadn't seen until this week Was Creature from the Black Lagoon This book The the 30 page version of the film With the pictures and the you know, they had like fun bits about, you know, here's the costume so the kids don't get scared and whatever. When I read this the first time, I cried because of how it ends. Because the, uh, the ending he dies of, the, yeah. end of the book too. Yeah. And the book, the book, this one's supposed to have a little bit of cliffhanger feel to it, even though I think, I think to Jack Arnold's credit, I think he tried to make it fairly unequivocal that the creature's dead. Yeah. But there are two sequels. Yes. <laughs> so Universal's like, you can't have him be like, a hundred percent dead, like ninety nine percent dead, because we gotta be able to wiggle a sequel in in one year. Well, we've seen heavy wiggling to get just about anything back. Oh yeah, so, Mike, yeah. <laughs> we're when we get back to Halloween in the Patreon series. Once Mike Myers, in I think in the fourth one, he literally like gets exploded. Yeah, and watching them like wriggle out of that for five is amazing. So this was the this book goes back to like. One of my earliest memories Because I don't remember a whole lot Before being like four and five years old Most people don't Yeah Yeah. so Creature from the Black Lagoon Was like the first time I felt Empathy Not empathy but Yeah maybe Maybe the first time that I felt like Empathetic for something else That I thought had died unjustly And that's a really like Seminal memory in my life right. So watching this movie for the first time Was Weirdly familiar because I'd read that read it so thirty much. page condensation of it, and you're finally watching the cinema version of it, the movie version of yeah. it. Yeah, that's I, incredible. And I'm wondering if that's part of that's why I want to give it some time because I'm wondering if like you had a lot just happen. I closed the loop, yeah, man. dude, like seriously. for sure. You know, it's new, and you closed the loop on a huge part of your childhood, right? 
And that's pretty fucking substantial. And the movie itself is, is really good. Amazing. So I put this up here as being almost as good as like movies like The African Queen. Like sim like yeah. movies about people on a boat, essentially. I Written mean there's by more James going on. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. authors. Yeah, the African and That's one of my favorite that is like easy top ten favorite movies is the African Queen. I, I think I have a note in here somewhere about it, but I man, I love a riverboat movie. Yeah, absolutely. Something about especially a movie in set in the Amazon. This yes. movie set a lot of um it might be because there's like an Amazon fire thing going on right now, but I had some feels about the whole We watched this yeah. takes place in the Amazon. We went to Bird's parents' house last night and they threw on Medicine Man. That's the Amazon. That's the Amazon, Sean Connery down in the Amazon. Yep. Bird and I just we found directed by the diehard director too. It's a McTiernan movie, I think. Is it? Yeah. I didn't see the opening credits. I just kind of came in halfway. Yep. And part of the plot of that is the Amazon's on fire. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. So uh, really quick, if you if any of you follow my wife on Instagram or Facebook, um, I think it's at the artist bird. She recently posts. She keeps posting uh, this charity that we found. We've really carefully vetted charities. She found the one that gives the maximum amount. To they fight this Amazon rainforest fire, and we just recently donated a bunch of money. So if you can, Sweet. this is a for real fire. If I mean, I know this will come out in weeks, like a month from now. I yeah. hope it's not. This still is burning. not a political thing. This is a fucking it's earth a planet dying thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's our lungs, man. So if you guys can give any money, do it. I'll put that up on social media, like you know, like we all do. But I'm not just putting it on social media. We no, we no. broke the checkbook out too. We we donated money. It's fucking worth it. I don't want to strangle to death. I don't want to so, choke. Yeah, right. So speaking of. Uncredited people uh, Henry Mancini and Hans J. Salter did the score for this They're the two credited people mm-hmm. um, uh, Mancini wrote 12 minutes Salter wrote 16 And there's 9 minutes of stock music However the most famous piece of music In this is called Julie's Theme um, I think it's called Julie uh, Or no her name's Kay But it's it's the theme, the theme. Uh, It's Kay's theme when she's swimming Was written by a guy named Herman Stein He wrote 12 minutes of score and got no credit So I wanted to give his name There's at the top not too credit going. Henry Mancini he's the very famous For doing oh, yeah. like Charade. Peter Gunn theme He mm-hmm. did Pink Panther theme Hatari like I have a If you go to any record store in their dollar bin You will find a record called Henry Mancini And his orchestra and it's just his Like all of hits. his theme songs He's incredible yeah. he's such an incredible um, um, Composer Alright so now that we have all The top matter done I think it was important too to hit Absolutely. Those things Absolutely. let's talk about This movie alright let's talk Opening sequence The opening scene Now I have watched this three times So I might have a little I have some depth That's fine To some yeah. of these notes I watched this movie I watched it this I wa- movie I watched this movie <laughs> I watched it this I watched movie, movie. <laughs> I, Carl I watched it three times I took some notes Yeah yeah I watched it a movie oh, Awesome man <laughs> I'm real glad <laughs> That in a nutshell Is our show though yes. Well Carl I've been Pouring over stills Yes yes I watched I watched this movie It's a good The penis joke I, I tried to become a vodka Last night and I watched this movie <laughs> I feel like I sweat blood out of me <laughs> Please let me die Okay we'll do it on the mic uh, I'll do, it. do it on the do mic it This is going to be our, our If this is our last episode I will. <laughs> Birdie fell on the ground Get the vocal Get the Get your phone out Record the Record the, it <laughs> um, Alright So we start with voiceover And it goes In the oh, beginning so You know there was nothing It was the formless void Super cool uh, cinematography. The black and white explosion. Yeah. To form the planet, and it's not 
I was trying to figure out where the camera is. No, I because there's like smoke and steam, and then there's a huge fireball and explosion, and there's like rocks flying up at the camera. It's coming towards you. It's insane. But the way it comes towards you and falls, it's not bird's eye. It's almost like a weird mm-hmm. three quarters. It's so and the way the smoke is behaving is yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. That oh, the creation of the universe in black and white at the beginning, or the creation of Earth, the Big Bang. It cooled fairly rapidly over the course of three billion. This years. is the planet Earth, newly born and cooling rapidly from a temperature of 6,000 degrees to a few hundred in less than 5 billion years. That's Do you? That's, that's the line. Do you realize that the opening of this movie blends creationism and evolutionary theory together? And that the this film, this film is entirely about evolutionary biology? Mm-hmm. In 1954? Pretty this rad. Is, this is amazing, dude. The opening sequence seamlessly blends creationism and evolutionary theory together. It shows you the beginnings of the planet, and it shows you the the oceans, and here's where life is stepped out of the warm waters of the ocean. Yeah, and then we see the like water mat land for the first time, and right, and we get the weird footprints. This is a cool note too, because the science. I mean, look, it's it's movie science, 1954 monster movie science, but like it's a lot of um, jargon science. Oh, definitely. Also, bad scientists because. <laughs> mm-hmm. We um, basically the movie goes, the the evidence of life is written on the land, and all these millions of years later, uh, uh, primates still crowd into the Amazon rainforest trying to read the writing there or yep. whatever the line is, and we cut to present present day 1954, um, in the Amazon. And an archaeological dig. Now, I I did say I wanted to talk about this movie like very seriously because it's great, but. Is that guy even a real archaeologist? I don't think so. Because he takes, they find a full, complete, like, skeleton cre- gillman, because that's what the creature's called. It's like it's from halfway down the forearm yeah. forward and this big meat hook. To the tips of, of its hand. Yeah, and it's got yep. its, it's like really spread you apart. Don't it's got know, the claws. There could be a whole body attached to that in the Well, wall. based on where it is, you assume you there's assume. a full skeleton. So he, but you know what archaeologists will do, though? They take one picture mm-hmm. with flash in broad daylight, yep. so it's brutally overexposed, yep. right? And then they take the back of uh now correct me if i'm wrong on the technique here but what you do is you take a a full-size pickaxe it should be a pickaxe pickaxe. anything lighter than that you're not going to damage it enough right so then you grab the wrist of the thing and you take the pickaxe i think i got the technique right you have to tweak you wiggle it you gotta work it back did you ever see that movie 29 hours yeah 400 127 hours when he's got to wiggle his arm to break it yep Yep. and then you smash it with the pickaxe until it's demolished you gotta pull yeah. So that at the if, same time, so you can rip. So you're ripping, and you're getting some tensiles. You, yeah. Dude, he takes the back of like a fire axe and chops the arm out of the rock. I'm like, what if oh, that was attached wow, to the rest buddy, of it? You just ruined your entire fucking specimen. Tanked your career just now. <laughs> He's like, quit. I gotta here. Let's just say I'm just gonna fuck off for We're a bit. Ja. Put it, wrap that in a wrap that in a jar. Walmart bag. Wrap that in a jar. Wrap that. I mean, dude. Yeah. That's probably what he did. What he did. This guy's not an archaeologist. This is he like took, a. He took the what at the time would have been like saran wrap, not saran wrap, wax paper from his lunch sandwich. <laughs> finished his sandwich and then wrap the hand in his sandwich. Dude, wrap. I love that in this movie. And put it in his lunch cooler. 
I'll take that to the lab later. Well, it's been in the sun. It's freeze. It's sun. It's, it's mummified. It's but they ask him. They're like, "Do you think this is important?" He goes, "This may be the most important archaeological find in history." Let me chop it off with an axe. You're like, Jesus "Dude, Christ. God, be gentler than that." Don't you have any of your those brushes? <laughs> right. You I've seen. Br- I I've watched seen Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. They yeah. use brushes for bones. <laughs> um, but then we get an awesome sting. Um. One of the things I want to talk about as we go through here is they don't make this movie is fairly short. It's an hour and hour 19 minutes. 15, 19, 19 yeah, minutes. Okay. All of the Universal Monster movies are short. Yes. Movies like Hereditary and The Shape of Water, I'm not I'm not dissing these movies because I love them, mm-hmm. but modern filmmaking tends to be more expansive and digs into minutia and nuance. This movie manages to do that in under an hour and a half. And I think the reason that this movie sticks with me so much is it uses an extremely formalistic structure to manipulate tension in a way that I'm going to talk about again and again as we as I go through my notes. Yep. The the formalist structure of this movie is so well hidden in the writing and the way that scenes are built. It's incredible. This is one of them. So we see the claw coming out of the we see someone running through the jungle and a claw sticking out of like the dirt little bit of tension the tension evaporates when we realize like oh cool i'm gonna an ancient thing right and here's here's our little cesura our little breath where it's like okay i'm gonna we take it out and then as he walks away we pan down to the shoreline and we get the creature claw the real life creature so this is a really mild version of what i'm going to talk about later but we start with a, a small amount of tension and then we relieve it and then in that relief when we least expect it we get a scare. Yes. It's not tension, but a scare. And they do that again and again. And every time they do it, the sting at the end of the set of bigger. three, it gets bigger and it works every time. Yeah. It's so beautifully built. Um, what a great costume. The- I can't get over the fucking cost. The the creature, every time, whether he's on land or under, but the underwater shit, I just can't Amazing. even. Amazing. You ready for this? I can't. I can't fathom this. Shit. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> can't <easily>. fathom. <laughs> yeah, this movie's got you hooked. It does. <laughs> All right, Rico Browning. He's the. Here's our underwater, underwater creature. One. No oxygen tank. All of the underwater stuff. He's holding his breath. Many of the scenes, he had to hold his breath for f- up to four minutes. Can you imagine doing the fight scene? No. Also, that suit blind. I was gonna say he's got fucking. He can barely, barely, barely see. There's a famous story from set later in the in the movie. The creature, or the Gill Man, is what he's called, is carrying Kay, mm-hmm. uh, or Julie. I think her name yeah, is Julie. Her Julie down Adams. To the cave entrance, the underwater. It doesn't. I don't know if it makes it into. I don't think it makes it into the movie. But apparently, while he was doing that, because he can't see and she has her eyes closed, he smashed her face oh, off of, shit. off a plaster wall and gave her like a huge scrape on her forehead. Um, it was widely reported that she was knocked unconscious, but she says that said that in an interview that that wasn't true. But wow. yeah, Rico Browning, the, the our underwater guy, he held his breath for all of the underwater sequences. That's insane. Given how long some of those shots are without and cutting, this is like this is OG fucking like um, underwater breathing apparatus stuff too. This isn't scuba yet. This is like your your uh, what they they call it. It's very primitive scuba, yeah. but it is. It's, yeah, this is got... this is before uh, what's his face got a hold of it and and um, fixed the regulators and all that kind of shit. In the sixties or stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah, is pre that. Perfected all of that. This is when it was just the water lung or they don't, whatever. They don't call it scuba tanks. They no. call it. Uh, I forget what it was, but it's like the a, aquatic what, lung. Aquatic lung. He calls it the aquatic lung. It's basically just oxygen tanks on their back. Yeah. You'll notice that Mark gets one tank and David gets two. They did that so you could differentiate who they were Ooh, underwater. That, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So 
dude. Fuck. So yeah, you think of my brain immediately goes to like the behind the scenes footage stuff that I've seen of movies like The Abyss, where they have sixteen divers ready, so ready to go, and they have the regulator that they can very easily put in the person's Ooh, mouth. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, those things don't exist yet. A lot of this was, uh, by all accounts, one of the strange, strangest things about this, given what we've heard of like Boris Karloff's experience on Frankenstein, yeah. everyone involved with this movie, except for the behind the scenes people with Millicent Patrick and that sort of shit, all the actors and the director and all those people said that this movie was nothing but a, a pleasure to shoot from start to finish. That's incredible. Everyone had a great time. Everyone got half along. of it is filmed underwater with cameras Huge that must have weighed like there's a really funny a thousand pounds well they this These are fucking gopros man do you know this movie is originally shot in 3d no. it's one of the first ones oh we'll God. talk about 3d underwater 3D underwater. well i don't know if you noticed how many times a harpoon gets shot at the camera Every time or shot. people are swimming directly at the camera even the 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 poison stuff is that's all in a plume in your face think yeah. about the scene when they're dropping the um the fish poison so in cakes cool that, t- that they're We'll t- I want to yeah. talk later. Sure. Later, we'll talk. I want to talk about how the fact that they shot it for 3D, shot it kind of be too be gimmicky, made the cinematography infinitely stronger than it would have been if they'd traditionally shot it. The gimmick, most times, 3D is just a cheap way to put asses like in seats. Like if you watch Friday the 13th 3D. Yeah. Friday the. Hulky, stupid. Friday cheesy. the 13th. Is it. It's part it's three. Part three yeah. yeah. The 3D one. Like. There, or like My Bloody Valentine, yep. a lot of it's gimmicky. This one feels to me the way that the Avatar 3D felt, where they knew Part of that the they, whole, yeah. yeah, rather than just creating things experience. jumping out at you, they managed to create depth. So they're using, they're so using, it's fucking beautiful. Yeah, they, it's it's really incredible. And I have a I have a specific note about it later that will hit, but. Yeah, so <laughs> um so we're after we get the creature claw, we're introduced to Julia Adams. Her she's credited nowadays as Julie Adams. Her modern credits are Julie. Interesting. This first film Julia. she's Julia Adams. So her character's name is Kay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a super strong female character in a yeah. 1954 film. She's the heroine of this piece. She is. She is more. She is much more a Catherine Hepburn than she is a scream queen. There's a couple of moments I, later where I feel like she's here just to be the woman screaming, but I for the most disagree. part, she's I, she lives in my head in the same space that Laurie Strode lives in. Okay, like she's a scream. She's a scream queen in that she's the woman who screams in a horror film, yeah. but she is not the wilting hysterical Nora from you know House on Haunted Hill. Later on, when something like grabs her ankle, her first response is to swim down and see what it was mm-hmm. rather than screaming. And she she doesn't behave like a lot of women in movies in the 50s behave like a scary thing. Ah, I fainted. Oh, a scary thing. I'm going to run away. A lot of times when she sees she's usually the one that sees the creature first. She'll Almost s- exclusively. She yeah. screams and holds her ground. Mm-hmm. But before we even get to the monster. This character, I think her name's Kay, shit, I forget her last name. It's like Kay Schroeder or something, but Kay is a scientist. Kay is a scientist. She's there with with her uh, colleague, David, yeah. yeah. They're also like in love, might be married. They have a bit of a a thing Their relationship's important, actually. She, um, she, you can tell that she wants to marry David and David is kind of dragging his feet. Maybe not. I think he's prioritizing his work. Absolutely. But one of the things I love is she's not... 
naggy about it she understands his decision and just goes with it and they have this cool they have a really cool relationship and it is vaguely complicated by mark but but i think it's kind of well mark tries to interject himself into the whole dynamic and and there's gets there's parallels between david what she's got with david which is like a Oh, I kind of, I I'd like to marry him, but he doesn't really seem that interested. And then we find out late, like when we are introduced to the creature, and the creature sees her for the first time. The creature. This is a love story. I there's a note I have I wanted to read. This movie is yeah. So, I think that this movie is the most quote unquote female of the Universal monster films or the most feminine. And I mean that in a really positive way, not mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a girly movie. I mean, this movie has a love story at its heart, but it doesn't fall into the absurdist trap that the love story in The Bride of Frankenstein falls into, sure. where it's like, we're going to make him a bride and it's really about this. Right. The creature falls in love with Kay and is doing what he can to like to, to get that's why Guillermo del Toro did the shape of water is he wanted to redo this give it a little more of a voice to the creature he wanted yeah he wanted to tell the story from the creature's perspective and also to allow that relationship to to bloom he wanted to see it's what incredible. it would look like if they fell in love and you can kind of see that here the creature treats her with a lot of respect even when, when he he's, plays with her in the water I think he's scared of her. It's the first time a little, he's timid. There's he's trepidation. Yeah. yeah. It's like, whoa, it's amazing. Um, in an interview, Julie Adams said that she, the reason that she likes, liked this movie so much and working on it and likes it and thinks that it has an important cultural resonance is it's about wanting to be loved. She thinks it's about wanting to be loved when you don't feel as though you're allowed to be loved. And that's what like the creature's doing. And it, you can see and also not like the other thing. Like, he is completely different from... He's a different species. He's an ancient... Right. It's it's feeling like you're an outsider, feeling like you're a freak, but still trying to chase down love anyway. Like everyone deserves that. And it's... this. Oh, man. it's This movie reminds me... This is going to sound weird, but this movie reminds me of Star Trek in a lot of ways. How many times in this movie does David stop people from firing guns? Oh, yeah. He's real, like... Passive, I, not, not passive. Not passive. Not, he's peaceful. Peaceful, yeah. Because he a, gives the other guy shit about being like a big game hunter. You're a scientist. You're not supposed to be like, let's run and shoot this thing. Yeah, la- like later on, once the even after people have died, and the creature has trapped them, he's like, no, we're gonna knock him out long enough for us to escape. Yeah, we're not gonna fucking kill us. The reason he's killing so many people is because we're here. He wouldn't have people to kill. If we weren't here fucking up his goddamn day. There's an amazing line in here. Um, I wonder if I, I, I can't find it, but I'll see if I can do it off the top of my head. He basically says, oh, here it is. Later on, at the near the, near the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and I will come back to it. I'll say it again, but he, like they say at the end of the movie, Mark is ready to dive into the water with his harpoon gun to try and kill this thing so he can bring its head back. He, he's, he gets such bloodlust, yes. progressive bloodlust as the movie goes on. At one point, David grabs him and he goes... Mark, we didn't come here to fight monsters. We're not equipped for it. Right. <laughs> Which is brilliant writing. And in a weird way, like almost in a, like a secondary thesis or like the thesis of the B plot of this film, which is all about their scientific expedition. Let's jump back into the movie where we left off. Um, the guy who ch- <laughs> chopped the arm out of the rock is in a speedboat. Mm-hmm. Kay is driving the speedboat. 
Bird point Bird watched this with me the first night we watched it and she pointed that out. She's like, That's they're letting her drive. That doesn't seem like much, but in nineteen fifty four, Kay is yeah. driving the speedboat. That's a big deal. They get out there. Um, out to like a, a buoy, uh, to like a dock that's yep. floating out in a bay. Because they're doing some sort of experiment or research. Right. They're in the Amazon region, and Kay and David are are doing. They're looking into lungfish because they're that's both right. they're evolutionary biologists. So they're looking into lungfish, and David is down diving. She like jerks on the rope. I would like to point out though that because no one is out there, she she arrives on a speedboat. You're not supposed to dive alone. Oh, right. That's a no-no <laughs> So I'm thinking Kay was supposed to be on the dock Maybe she popped in to grab him But she calls David up to the surface David pops up and this is where we get The the plot of the movie Gets going uh, Basically he, the the, doc, the guy's like Look what I, I found a photo of a hand. Do you see this? Look what I destroyed broke. <laughs> Look what I broke I broke this off of a bigger thing probably I broke this for you I broke, Look what I broke for science And he's like so come, why don't you come down to the Amazon Like come down the river with me and let's check this thing out. David's like, I would love to go and see that. Do you, do you notice that Kay goes, yeah, that's something I'd love. I'd love to see that too. Yes, and both she the, does that a couple of times. And both the men are like, good, no yep. problem, because she's respected in her field. She's like, she's not. She's not. Uh, this is the lady. This is the woman in a lab coat. She's a competent scientist. Yes. She invites herself down to the Amazon. When they bring the handout to present it to this group of scientists, she's not only present in the room, she's the only one who adds to the conversation about it. They're all like, yes, yes, it looks like it's definitely an amphibious creature. It's an aquatic creature that spent a lot of time in the water. And she leans hey, forward. All the male scientists are throwing out jargon and stupid shit. Well, they, they all say that it's just an underwater creature. And mm-hmm. she's the one who leans Bridges. forward and points out. She says, well, how do you explain the structure of the fingers and the hand clearly meant to be used on land? And they all go, oh, yeah. Yeah, missed that. That's and that's not David being like, well, now Kay, don't let's not be stupid. No, what, what about the hand? Right. Kay's like, oh well, what about this guy's? The other thing I love about her is how diplomatic she is. She she does end up going down to the Amazon with him on the boat. She uh she gets down there, and all of these mostly Mark, the really aggressive the asshole Mark, <laughs> but like Mark. Is really kind of like bull in a china shopping. He's kind of being Very rude, so. and he's this boat's a piece of shit. We've been that digging his, for eight days. That is his character throughout. I he's, mean, he's, he's very driven. He's he, you know, he strikes me as a venture capitalist masquerading as a scientist. This is like, like if one of the Trump sons was part of the whole. Expedition. You're not wrong. Yeah, he's really focused on money. He's really focused on like shocking the press. We find out later he's like, we won't have proof. We, he wants a photo, but he has he once he realizes that he could shoot this thing. That's all he cares about. He's like, yeah. I could put, I could drop a body onto a table, and my name will be living in yeah. lights forever. And we, as we know, he's stolen Kay's research to cement his position at the Institute. So we know that all he cares about. Given that story at the beginning, it's a fucking plot point in this movie. Yeah, men stealing, stealing credit from women yeah. in order to cement their jobs at a larger corporation. Like fucking exactly crazy. what Bud the Bastard did Fuck. to Millicent Patrick. Again, I'm just going to keep saying her name. Keep tagging him, Get man. it in your head, people. Millicent Patrick and fucking Bud Westmore or whatever the hell his name. Yeah, Bud Westmore. Asshole. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, but Kay, Kay's very diplomatic She's 
when they get on the boat, there's that moment where Mark is like, this is what a piece of shit this boat is. I hate this stupid boat. Couldn't we have gotten a better boat? And the, the captain, boat captain comes down. He's like, you don't like my boat? What do I need a nice boat for? I just fill it with fish usually. Like you're lucky you got anybody who'll take you this far up the river. And the other scientist comes out of the lab and uh, the, the guy who found the, the hand originally, mm-hmm. he comes out and he's like, well, we've got a, a lab such as it is best I could do. And Mark's like, we probably won't even need it because this stupid expedition's all dumb. And Kay, like, David's kind of, like, surly because he and Mark butt heads constantly. And she's constantly the one that's, like... And she's like, well, I think for an expedition like this, we'll need both courage and science. Don't you you agree? And then the captain's like, well, what do you think of the the finest cabin on the river, Mike? And she goes, I love it. She's so diplomatic. She understands the need... To understand other perspectives yes. Everyone else is so bullheaded And she's this like Aggregate of her surroundings Not in like a passive way But understanding no, the dynamics not passive But yeah And, and She's actively aware She's an incredible character and She keeping, really is She's keeping all the shit together She is She's keeping the She's keeping the boys From tearing the thing apart Before it even gets started Before they've even left the They pier. haven't even landed at the We haven't even seen the first two murders Which Let's Talk about that really let's. quick Alright So The second time we get the claw up on the shore It's nighttime, And this is the first time we see the creature's head This is when he goes into the tent Yes dude uh. All right, so oh, I have notes. It's the two uh, South American um, research, uh, like archaeological assistants. Yep, their that, assistants to the right. The the ar- the main archaeologist left them behind to kind of guard the site, and yep. they're in the tent. One of them is cleaning a shotgun, which is not a good thing to be doing right now because you want that put together. You kind of want that together. You right? gotta have that. Oh, the machine. Oh, it's bad luck, man. Down. Just oh. bad timing, bad luck. It was just not in the cards for him no. to see another day, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So we get the Gill Man. We don't see him yet. We no. just see the ha- like we see something walking towards the th- the tent. The flap pulls open, and the the South American assistant turns. His reaction to what he sees, and we hear these weird pig sounds. Mm-hmm. The creature sounds like like. His my note is oh the creature's sound is so delicious. It has kind of like. Claws on chalkboard, this squealing oh, pig sound yeah. kind of sound. We mentioned in a Patreon exclusive episode, uh, the Storm Warriors, about a particular sound design. Yeah, the, and this the, remi- the fiber wire. Yeah, yeah. fiber wire. So, so this has such a unique quality, where you hear stories of how they developed the this, the roar of the Tyrannosaurus Rex in in Jurassic Park. How or they, the sound of the Tie Fighters in yeah, Star Wars and all that stuff. Like this weird, like it's a lion's roar, but we run it backwards and then we add this. The a barking dog to it. There is so much layered into the sound. It's such a unique. I've never heard a sound like the sound that this Gilman makes. The Gilman makes it so it's cool. Fucking, it's got. <laughs> I know. I'm getting it oh too. Oh my back god, my dude. Dude, it's horrifying. It's it, it hits this weird primal thing well, where I wanted, where I was terrified just hearing it because it sounds otherworldly, but also familiar. There, it it is. It's close enough to something that you'd know that the fact that you can't pin it just down. Just off like I've never heard this before. What the fuck am I listening to? One of my favorite parts about this particular scene when he kills the two assistants is the guy throws the first thing that happens is the dude throws a lit lantern at it. We see a flare of light and hear a the Gilman scream. He got hit with a lantern mm-hmm. and is on fire. Oh, we'll see and that. And he's later. oh yeah, dude, that's ins- when we see that, Best when we see it, nomination, dude, for sure. Yeah, see, uh, this there's no way this movie's not gonna win. Fucking pick one of the underwater fight. Any scenes. Any one of them. Any one of the <laughs> underwater fight scenes. 
and it wins. It's unbelievable the level of stunt work in this movie. It's incredible. And the physical performances that go into it's not yeah, just stunts. It's not stunts. just like, oh my god, I'm but it's like stunts with emotion. Going on with a stupid fucking rubber suit on, and you're still able to get this grace. Rico Browning, and or maybe it was Ben Chapman, one of the two of them didn't like the suit because they said that because it's it is just thick rubber. It's yes. hard to portray emotion, so all they could do was with their bodies. And a if little you, bit of jaw articulation. If they open their jaws, it'll it would open the creature's mouth. And if they squeezed a bulb, there was a bulb they could squeeze and it would make the gills work. That's cool. Yeah, and it, it looks great. With just man. that little bit cuz there's the eyes are completely dead. They're glass pieces of something that are that are the eyes. They're yeah, they're um worked into the suit. So there's no this eye is, movement. This is actually but, a really cool behind the scenes thing from the special effects department. The uh Jack Arnold directing this said this this creature has gills. We would not see bubbles. That's why he had Rico Browning hold, hold his, his breath. breath. So you see the gills move but there's no bubbles. It's incredible. In future movies, in the underwater sequences, they incorporated a tank, and you can see bubbles come out of the creature's head. <laughs> right, but like, what an what attention to detail! Seriously, because like, no, they no, could no. have very easily said, "Oh fuck it!" No if you one look will at notice. the ridges on his spine, you could fit a tank under there. Yeah, but he's like, "No, no, no! It has gills. There wouldn't be bubbles." It's incredible. Right. Come on, they gave a shit, man. It's like Kubrick it saying, "There's no sound in space," and in 2001, a space sound. Right. It. it no, guys, there it, wouldn't be big sounds. <laughs> It really anyway. shows, man. But um, I was really the first time I saw. Actually, every time I I watch this, I'm taken aback by how violent the deaths of the assistants are. It's all off screen. But when that you see this giant, the hand, the the creature's hand it's is quad, the man. size it's of fucking... it's the size of your head of my. I don't know how big my head is in comparison to yours, but it's like his hand is like a foot. It's mm-hmm. like a basketball diameter. It's like you had a catcher's mitt. Huh? Yeah, and he grabs the assistant's face. He's big into putting. Those two huge fucking hands, hands on the, both sides of your head and squeezing your fucking head. Well, they choke. There's a character named he Z. Chokes, he yeah. chokes Z to death. Z's original death, he, the creature was supposed to pick him up and throw him directly at the camera, but they couldn't get the wire work right, so they just decided to strangle him. because they were, lift somebody at the that end That is movie, fucking nuts because that's he picks David up off the ground. There's and no wires there, man. He's just like, I'm going to lift of, you over my head. Oh, today. yeah. By his shoulders, too. It's not even like he's not even like got him bench pressed. Yeah. He picks him up like fucking Dirty dancing style, just up over his head, and that's David. Of our characters, David is the most yoked. He's he's a he's a pretty muscular dude. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure Rico Browning was six foot five. The underwater, (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because Ben Chapman, the guy who plays him on land, is actually fairly short. Interesting. Two different. They had to they had to build two separate suits because the suits had to form fit their bodies. Very cool, dude. Everything about this movie, just I'm in love with it. <laughs> I can't even. You are enamored of creature. I really am. Movie. But but like when we cut to the exterior of the tent as he's killing those assistants, the tent is rocking back and forth. It's like a wild animal in the there. The second like assistant, a bear, dude. It's fucking insane. The second assistant that he kills when he gets the, his hand on his face and like hauls his ass to the ground. It's so vicious. Mm-hmm. And you hear you hear the men screaming, you hear the creatures screaming, and you see this tent getting like decimated. Yes. Without being gory in the slightest, that is the most violent thing that I've seen in ages. It gets such violence across. I love it. Um, God, that's just good, good, good filmmaking. Filmmaking, man. So now our our ostensible heroes arrive. However, this might be a good time to point out that. These our heroes are the bad guys. Oh, they sure are. Of this movie. I have several notes of I am on team creature. Yeah, dude. Like 
exclusively, pretty much. The first time I watched it, I watched it mostly as just a monster movie. But the second time I watched it, what really brings it home for me is the bit where Kay flicks her cigarette into the lagoon. Yeah. And the creature is under and he looks up at the cigarette and you realize like, oh, these people are invading this creature's habitat. Yeah. This is not their backyard. This know? is my one note at this point is like it's really hard not to make current Amazon commentary. Like yeah. when, when they're doing the whole Oh, don't worry about your he's talking well, about the we dangerous let animals. Know. We are and recording stuff. this August twenty seventh. In twenty nineteen, yeah. So. Yeah. So this is this is it'll come out in October. Yeah, but, but we currently have a burning Amazon. So it's been two weeks now, yeah. So the the riverboat captain is discussing all the dangerous creatures that are out here in the Amazon and how crazy mm-hmm. that it can be and dangerous. And my note is, oh, don't worry about all your dangerous killer animals out there in the Amazon. Humans will have it all burned down for soy farms not long after you leave the jungle. A lot so. of it's beef making yeah, rain. Room uh, for eating free cat range. for cattle yeah. and shit. Yeah. Cattle, so, cattle grazing. It just made me a little angry. One of the I things, couldn't help but make a note about it. Yeah, one of the things that Bird and I started doing is now we're only buying meat that is sourced from the USA. Yep. Because a lot of the, and we're going to stop, we're going to entirely stop eating fast food meat because most of that oh, beef that's where that's, comes from the Amazon. That's the need, yeah. Yep. So not, we're not going to ride that, that we too won't. hard. But, but the Amazon's important. We're talking about the, Amaz- the Amazon. This movie I, I think it's okay that Amazon, we do that because so. I think the Amazon's pretty non-political. I don't think it is a political you issue. You kind of need that. <laughs> I like breathing. Yeah. Oh, there's a conspiracy though that if you, if you, um, so that you can eventually end up taxing air. If oh, is that why always, they're doing this? Yeah. <laughs> who told you? Never mind. I was I was gonna guess who said that. If it was someone, yes, you're probably right. There's someone you and I both He's know probably, who might. Probably right. Yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So our our ostensible heroes get to base camp. This is important because this moment is going to get tagged back at the end of the movie. They see that something's wrong at the tent. Mm-hmm. And they all start moving forward, and Kay goes to go with them. This is the one of the one of the I think maybe the only time that David goes, no, 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 wait here until we know what's going on. Right. They go up there. So yes, this is that 1954 thing where it's like, ooh, don't let the woman go and see something right. that might upset her. But, and and I admit I rolled my eyes when I saw this, but the movie addresses it and addresses how fucked up that is in one second. They get into the tent. We see the clutching dead hand of Lewis. Dude, I love me a good, like, in death, your hand just, just looks like, like a, in, like, a nightmare gnarl. <laughs> um, they actually sell, anytime you go to, like, Meyer around the the Halloween time, you always do, you have there's that. There's a clutching dead, hand. Yeah, there's yeah. a clutching hand. It's like, Absolutely. well, everyone knows when you die, your hands turn into clutching freakish hands. claws. Absolutely. Horrifying claw hands. Yeah, duh. <laughs> um, I learned it at Meyer. So uh, David tells Kay to wait, trying to protect her from horror and danger. Uh, the film, not the film addresses this. And leaving Kay alone has exposed her and left her vulnerable to horror and danger. Mm-hmm. She's the only one in danger in this scene. And it's because they're trying to protect her. I think that this is a, I think that this movie, uh, this is the good time to bring it up. I think this movie is a powerful feminist film. Because... When you are patronized, when the one time that David is really patronizing in the movie, he almost he gets almost Kate kills her. killed yeah. because of his because of how he's patronizing her. Because this is because we're talking about it. Let's one two skip a few jump ahead to the sure. to near the end of the film. 
the it's during the night i believe it's during the night scene when the creature gets back on the boat and kills another one of the crew yep and the, the brother of the of the one yeah the other crewman i, I think it's the he's like, he killed my brother he got pulled i think it's the, the second one okay there must the, have been the second, where the second dude gets oh it's when the boat gets smashed it's when the rowboat gets smashed um and thompson gets horribly burned this is during the, the fire oh, sequence when they, have to wrap when, they up. when they throw the fucking lantern we get that amazing burn burn in a suit in a suit and then jumping oh, in the dude, water. It's, mm-hmm. I think it's two separate burns shot separately but it's incredible Insane. anyway um the archaeologist says okay go down to your cabin and lock yourself in and David like put like puts a not not an arm to like keep her there but to back her up like to be supportive he goes no no stay here you're, right, yeah. you're safer with us David is one of those rare 50s movie heroes who's learning from his mistakes. The la- no no no, the you don't last see it very often no. in movies of this era but. And I love too that this movie allows men to admit that they were wrong and change their behavior cuz David goes the last time we did this she almost got eaten right. by the Remember creature. Right. Remember that last no, time? No no no, you stay with us. You're you're with us. We are team human. We stick together. This isn't a boy girl boy girl thing. No. This is a there's a fucking creature we in the water. We ain't got time for that. No no oh, no. no. K, we need K. We need her with us. Mm-hmm. She's valuable. It's not like, oh, damn, if we only didn't have this woman. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Like some sort of baggage or something. They kind of do lightly hit it early on in the movie where they're like, oh, you, don't you think there's a, any place for a woman down in the Amazon? And she's like, well, I blah, 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 blah. And they just, they kind of gloss over it and she gets her way. Yep. Oh, oh man, I love it. I love this movie. Um, so... They basically think that it's a jaguar. They don't know that there's a. It's some gill sort of yet. wild Amazon creature. The claws, they claw with, they claw them just so, like uh, the claws, you know, like the, <laughs> the captain's he, yes. dude. He's so great. Yes, he is. Do you love him? Yeah, I do. So, or do you have no, bad notes about no, him? No, no, no. I love, love the captain's love our captain. the best. He has the best corner cheek tucked soggy fucking cigar going the entire time he is chewing that on both sides oh of his mouth God, so great <laughs> and his old like captain he hat and his beard I just love everything about i want to be him when i grow up one actually. of the things i love most about the captain is again this is near the end of the movie a lot of the stuff that's set he doesn't up early take shit he's he's violent i listen to the captain and then he puts his fucking knife under the do you want to do, anyway. do the line? Yeah, <laughs> or do you want to wait until we we'll get wait, to We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait. All right, so what they do... Because everyone has their moment to be like, you do not fuck with me, dude. Uh, yeah, most you of know? these people, most everyone gets their moment to state their case. Yep. And whether or not that pans out for them is you, is borne out by the end of the exactly. movie. Exactly. Everyone's stance is either accepted or refuted by the end of the movie. It's really cool. Um, not No loose ends, really. So after eight days of digging... They bury the two assistants and then they start working on the rock. They're like, okay, let's get the skeleton out of here. Jag- sifting. Jaguars yeah. happen, but they don't know there's a monster yet. So they start sifting and they're not finding shit. There's no bones in this rock. And they've been digging for eight days. So, of course, Mark throws a hissy fit. And he's like, eight days of digging and nothing to show for it. Well, I think we should just pack on them and get on back home. Cause eight m- days is actually not a lot of time for an archaeological expedition. No, dude. When we, you barely just got started, bud. We were talking about Medicine Man at the beginning of the show. That movie starts with him being in the Amazon for six months. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, exactly. <laughs> he's, six months, I bet in these, well, yeah, this climate. She's like, oh, I did a month in... Miami Beach and he's like oh a whole month <laughs> he's like you know how long I've been out here alone <laughs> I started eating my own feces do you see how much I'm drinking <laughs> I've been out here for fucking ever shut your mouth 
that's a different film. Uh, but after eight days of digging, I think Mark has a really great line here that kind of establishes his character early before we see that weird venture capitalist bloodthirst yeah. later when he turns to the original archaeologist and he's like, look, it's been eight days. We, we can keep looking. And Mark turns to the guy and he goes, we've failed. That's all people are going to understand. That's his line. Yeah. It, like you even get if, a little bit of a sense of well, the, who this. The scientists are all telling him like we haven't failed. We have that. Well, no, hand. it's like we need to try more things until we figure this thing out. There's a like, great this bit. Is... This is the first part where David picks at him, where he goes, yep. "Oh, eight days, Mark, had enough yet? I'll tell you when I've had enough." And they start that weird that bit antagonism of, mm-hmm. that that carries throughout the well, rest they poke of the film. Poke each other the whole fucking rest oh, of the film. Oh, this is two bears poking poking each other the whole fucking film, <laughs> yeah. man. And both this, either one of them could have the upper hand at any point. And I feel like one of my favorite things about the relationship is they don't, they're not always antagonistic. They're real people. Later yeah. on, when they encounter the the Gill Man together and they get back up on the boat, David's like. What the hell are you shooting at it for? We want to take it alive. And he's like, you're almost as mad as if I'd shot that harpoon at you. And Kay goes, what's going on? And they both turn to her and together are like, you wouldn't believe us. It's incredible. And once again, they're back on the same side. They're they're spatting. They're not openly warring with each other, but they they do pick and And fight. Yeah, they do end up having it comes to fisticuffs at one point at the end. But they're never like. Because I was almost expecting I was almost expecting him to be shooting a harpoon at. At David, but he doesn't. There's a there's a moment where he alludes to the fact that he want maybe wants to. Right, but there isn't that like, like no. <laughs> no, no, no. I will get you now. They're, there's there's really a different real. there's a difference of opinion between the two of them. What they come at this whole thing from two different schools of thought. Right, and so they poke at each other. Yeah, like and, anybody would, but are capable of working together too. Exactly, they're they're totally realistic adults. They know when to bury the hatchet and they know when to pick it up and start whittling away at the other person <laughs> yeah. with it. With they, they take out their tiny pocket knives yep. and they just and keep like, picking and picking and picking and picking and picking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a harpoon gun. Anything I aim at it dies. <laughs> like <laughs> we'll get that to that. But uh, oh, my favorite pneumatic spear gun ever. It's pretty cool. It's pretty sweet. So we're on the riverboat. We so, come around the yeah. corner. There's a tiny opening. They they make a point of showing us how barely the boat fits through this little choke point, and then yep. it opens up to one of my favorite reveals. And we are in the Black Lagoon. Dude, is that not one of like the most beautiful sets you've ever seen? Not a set. It's a legit place. It's amazing. Um, There's a funny kind of, there's a funny story from set of um, Rico Browning. Some of the underwater stuff was shot, I think, on location in Florida. Okay. Near like a public beach. And he had to make an emergency bathroom break in his own words. So he just like swam and he was underwater and he like swam towards shore and he popped up in full costume right next to a mother and daughter like playing in the surf and he'd like gone so you could no one could and it's all underwater shooting second unit so you can't see anybody shooting anything so literally the creature from the black lagoon just pops up on a beach and a bunch of people lost their fucking minds yeah and he was like wait wait god (laughs) damn it um, brief. I promise it'll be, that's fucking it'll be, hilarious. <laughs> I promise it'll be fast. But there's a TV show called. Um, so I listen to the last podcast on the left. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Henry Zabrowski's on the show called Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell on Cartoon Network, and he plays a demon. And in one of the scenes in the from the first or second season, he he tells the story on the podcast. He's he has to get the the scene is he's covered head to toe in blood and he's holding a shotgun. And he gets into an elevator, pushes the button, and then the elevator doors are going to open. Okay. And he steps out. 
as he's going to the floor where the camera crew is waiting, someone in between those floors called the elevator. <laughs> so he's like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh, oh no, shit, oh, oh no, shit. No, no, no. <laughs> and the door bing, slides open. And it's just him dressed as the devil, soaked head to toe in blood, carrying a shotgun. Oh my and apparently God. it was like a family of four. That had called to like go down to the lobby And they screamed and they ran away And he was like I'm sorry I'm sorry, I'm sorry. just screaming down the hall like I'm sorry it's we're doing you just a feel thing. horrible about yourself for the rest of the day Sorry guys I can't devil today Or as soon as you get to the floor you're supposed to be Shooting on you're like wait 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 we can't shoot Right now hold on yes you guys are never gonna Believe what just happened that's probably more what would happen I feel like Rico Browning stepped up and was like Ah shit Oh <laughs> uh, wait <laughs> Right, exactly. But all they hear is like, they're like, oh my god! He's just making a bad situation worse. I'm gonna shut up. I'm gonna just pee in the suit. I'm just gonna go pee in the suit. <laughs> we learned, we learned to pee in the suit that day. Yeah. Important lesson. I had them install some sponges. Yes. Um, but the and a backflap. <laughs> the old, the old black, back and flap. The back some of the some of the back ridges come off like in a union suit. Right. <laughs> Uh, but the Black Lagoon, man, it's that set is so that that location is yeah. so. That was beautiful. the first time I wrote a note about the African Queen because yeah. there's not a single scene of that that isn't beautiful. And, it's, so, and it's this gorgeous. is gorgeous. This, this reminded me of that. The I'm assuming it's all second unit that did the like the the establishing yeah. shots and the B roll and the underwater photography. The nature, the cinematography, the the nature shooting in this is gorgeous. Well, they knew what they were shooting, and they wanted to... And they knew what they were yeah. doing. And one of the things... That, so they get to the Black Lagoon, and pretty much right off the bat, David and Mark go down and take a look with their aquatic lungs, right? Uh, Proto-scuba. And what I noted here, this is where I want to talk about 3D. What they do that a lot of other movies don't take into account is because of the gimmicky 3D thing that they're doing, the cinematographer is using motion... And depth and motion through space in a really conscious way. He's like, okay, we'll have them swimming towards us. And we'll have them swimming. Because if you're looking at a 3D screen, it also looks cool when things swim away from you. Exactly. So rather than just having them swim side by side or looking like a, a bird's eye view of them, we often have them moving in three-dimensional space and really realistic. And I, I, the word I keep coming back to is dynamic. Yes. It's really visually interesting because there's a lot of dynamic use of motion through space because they're shooting for gimmicky 3D. Even in 2D, you're getting... It translates into a whole other thing that is... Right, because... Because you're using a visual gimmick, mm -hmm. you have to use interesting and dynamic cinematography. You can't shoot boring. Which still works... Even better in 2D sometimes You know what I mean It's like It pans off in 2D There's another movie Look I love Thunderball James Bond Thunder, The, the 007 Thunderball mm -hmm. But the underwater sequences Of that movie Are so Slow And boring And it's because I think it's the I think Yeah Boom 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 dun, 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 dun. Yeah but it's a, a lot of it is kind of Looks static The shooting is not is not thought out. I don't think their choreography is as No, tight. they threw everybody underwater. It's like, we... Have a big underwater battle, yeah. right. Yeah, but like in this one, watching people move through space, there's some really cool stuff that happened. Like later when we get the burn, the burn, that the coolest stunt that we've seen in maybe two seasons of this show, mm -hmm. the reason that I think it's staged that way, the way that it is, is to make the the surprise of the sudden flame more exciting in 3D. In 3D, yeah. 
because otherwise you just shoot it wide and you'd show you'd show it happen. But if you want the jump scare that you're building into 3D because the creature is leaning towards us when the lantern oh hits God. it, it's all because of this gimmicky 3D thing, and it it results in some of the most interesting visuals that we've seen in a, in a flick. I love it. It's so cool. I I was I was falling in love with this watching this movie. Um, so as they're as they're exploring and they're they're swimming around, you know, because they're looking for some sort of evidence of the of, rocks. Of the rocks. They want to see fossils. Because the is, I think it's it's good professor that says something about well, I feel like maybe part of this it's David rock face had fallen into the water. David asks the archaeologist. He goes, or he goes, where does this river go? Right, and he goes. Well, at the end, there's a place that my boys always called the Black know, Lagoon. The Black right. Lagoon, and the, well, the captain comes up, and he's like, "It's called the Black Lagoon." Right. And, and yeah, I've been down there. They say it's a paradise, but no one's ever come back from it to verify right. that. And everyone's like, <laughs> "Sounds like a place to go." <laughs> Let's hop in the the old schooner and get on down. Doot, doot. Exactly, tugboat Willie yep. on down to fucking the Black Lagoon. But while they're swimming around down there, there's a great moment where David. I think it's David swims up over like a uh, like a co- little bit of like rock, mm-hmm. and suddenly from behind the rock, boom! The whole creature. It's the first time, first time we see, see his him. face. Yeah, and he just busts up, and he's like kind of scrabbling after David. And when he realizes he can't get him, he fades back down into the. One of my favorite effects That's in this cool. is when the creature goes swims down underneath down the little coral in, outcroppings and shit. Not the coral outcroppings, rocks. but the uh, the the seaweed. Okay, when he goes too. down into the weeds and it's bizarre, but yeah. sometimes when he like gets down into the weeds and the silk comes up, he vanishes. Yeah. And it's not trick photography. I'm thinking when he's going down on, and he goes when underneath he goes over the, that shelf into the so like underwater cave. Cool. It's amazing the way that he like drifts over the edge. I just love the way he swims and the way he's able to control his body, especially that, later when she's in the water and he's like swimming. Upside down, they're doing the the Maverick Mig thing where uh, they're. Damn it! We're are we almost there? Uh, yeah, we're close. almost to yeah. K's white bathing suit. So let me let's hit this sure, last sure, sure. little bit, and because when once K gets in the water, th- this movie's been great up until now. It becomes a masterpiece once K goes in the yeah. water. From then on, I think this yeah, movie's. I would agree completely. Insanely, it's amazing. Um, it's so here's the first. My first strong example of the way that this film structures its tension. So they're swimming around. We get the scare. So we know that the the creature is here. He's here and with so our humans. So now we have that background tension. Okay? They're on their way to the surface. David grabs Mark's swimsuit and stops him and turns to look at something down and pulls his knife out of his belt and holds it upside down dagger style. We also get a musical sting here. Dun, 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 dun. We get scary music. Mm-hmm. And he starts swimming down, holding the knife dagger style up in a defensive pose. So we get what I'm call, what I call false tension. Yep. It's, it's a, a lot of scenes will do this. <laughs> so he swims. Yeah, David draws his knife. We get tense music. And then we find out he's just cutting some weeds Look off the bottom. Look at the seaweed. It's pretty. Yeah. yeah well, it's like, it, we it, almost missed it. Look at this. It's for a joke. Right. But he, he, so he cuts some seaweed free and then he swims back up to, uh, to Mark. Yep. They swim back to the surface and we see the, the monster. So like da, 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 da. And when he, as they're swimming back up, we kind of drift back down and we realize that just a bit to the right of where he was cutting that seaweed, 
the gill man is in the yeah. reeds and the God. underwater shots of the gill man because of the way the overhead light hits his brow you can't see his eyes so his like mouth is like a dark. vacant black hole and his eyes are like these vacant black holes it's it's an effect akin to the michael myers mask in halloween he's so featureless like, that he becomes vacant, terrifying yeah. it's it's beautiful because you get you get the false tension the relief of tension and, and then a tension, scare yeah. oh my god it's so good they get up top he he's like hey i got you some flowers get it because it's seaweed and it's all gross take it gay and Kay's like oh thank you and it's all very it's like a- <laughs> so they all go down into the lab oh you get me <laughs> you you are just my kind of freak you can so they all go down below and she i love this bit where Kay goes what was it like david and he goes it's like another world it's indescribable and she goes i would love to see that for myself and he, to his credit, he doesn't go like, well, why don't you come on downstairs where we know we can keep an eye on you, you wily woman. He goes, right on. And she goes, I'm going to hang out up here for a bit. He goes downstairs cool. and look, it's 1954 and Juliet Adams is a bombshell because she pulls off her like outer layer and we get, in my opinion, like the probably the second most iconic bathing suit in history. Besides right? Dr. No. Yeah, besides yeah. besides Ursula Andress coming yep. out in the white bikini and Dr. No. For sure. Mm-hmm. Like, this bathing suit is legend. Attractive enough to make a creature fall in love with her, so. Uh, it, call me a creature, man. I fell in me too. love with Julie yeah. Andrews sitting on the on that couch. I was like, she, you're smart. You are, like, you're well-respected in your field. You care about knowledge and learning. She has this amazing they did they definitely pose her right sure so like when she gets because this is like that glamour this mm-hmm. this is the glamour shot we even yes. get like a love theme you mm-hmm. know and when she gets to the edge of the boat there's a moment where she sh- it's amazing a, a, amazing performance beat in my opinion she shifts her weight from one hip to the other she looks to her right in kind of like a coy way or like a should I dare I kind of way and then she bites her I wrote down she bites her lower lip and in in that moment it's a seamless shift because they're playing the glamour music and she's in she's a she has a beautiful hourglass figure in a gorgeous suit she's totally the the bombshell yes and through her physical performance it goes from like sexy bombshell to like excited kid and it's seamless and it's so charming and then she dives into the lagoon and from this point on the movie is utter masterpiece there's nothing from this point on that i don't love with like every every square centimeter of my heart it's so cool dude there's so much emotional depth in this film rather than just all right now look at the goyle now the goyle jumps in the water they give right. her they give there's a reason why she's doing that there's little performance yeah. stuff all through here like seeing seeing how much shit David will put up with from Mark and seeing him start to vent it in ways like mm, throwing his flippers on the ground. Right. Like seeing these little vents of pressure, seeing Kay's wonder. When they first see the, the Black Lagoon, she's like, and I thought the Mississippi River was something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so great. The, the swimming cinematography. Well, that's the, I mean, we've said it already. It's just so incredible. The balls on all these stunt people. Well, this is insane. This is the the bit you talked about, which I think is maybe the most, this is one of the things. He's swimming with her. He swims under her. This, uh, by the way, um, they brought him, I can't remember what for, but uh, that the guy who plays the the creature underwater, uh, Rico Browning, he came out to help 
with like he just got called out to basically be like hey will you help us do some underwater sure. shit for a diff i think a different project a year before and the the people he worked with remembered him and gave him a call the director i think jack arnold wow. gave him a call and was like hey i like the way you swim do you want to be the creature from the black lagoon and he was oh they were doing underwater tests of the cameras and they just borrowed rico browning to like yeah, have someone some, to shoot we need someone to shoot right and the, yeah, yeah. they remembered him and they were like you actually are really he was a professional swimmer but they were like you there's a grace to we, yeah, yeah there's a there's a grace there's a beautiful sort of side by he doesn't swim like you'd expect a human to swim Which he's in a humanoid it's amazing he his hips shimmy like when he swims he kind of Shimmy's like from crawling in a way. Yeah, he he moves through the water. It's it's beautiful. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's there's no other. It's so graceful. Yeah. The creature swimming in tandem with Kay when she's up on the surface kicking with like and her back is down and he's underneath her swimming parallel to her underwater and he then he he'll dive back down into the reeds and then he'll come back up. And by the way, you got to remember when you're watching this like this long these long shots. This is all Rico Browning holding, holding his, his breath. breath. That's just Barely insane. able to see and keeping he how do that's how is that even fucking possible, man? It's when you look at all of Blows the my moving mind. pieces, it becomes yeah. like such a. It's a puzzle that I can't figure out how they <laughs> even began to like put it together. I, I dude, the, I can under I can kind of understand this. If you're in calm situations, you could hear where the splashes were and maybe. Sure. Keep, but for the fights. He can't see. There's a one point in the end where the entire water is covered in silt. Silt. There's a moment in here where he pulls a respirator tube out of a guy and then drags him back down and pins him to the ground. How does anyone know where anyone is to give breathy bits to, or like if I don't know, fucking. I think unless unless I'm mistaken, I think Rico Browning has to get to the surface to breathe because he can't take the mask off. No, you can't. Fuck. So it's oh like, my god It's dude. intense dude But like this It's so His amazing His only air is by breaking the surface Breaking the surface So all of those like 20 foot deep Fight scenes on the bottom Of like a lagoon And you know when you're When you're underwater And you're just Just sitting there Just holding your breath I get maybe like 45 seconds Yep I'm 45 seconds If you're swimming And like exerting yourself 30 seconds If you were doing something As strenuous as wrestling with And fighting another dude I'd probably be My out of air My heart would explode Yeah 20 actually. seconds in I would just have a heart attack And that fight scene yeah. is like Three minutes And it's just Rico Browning Like fucking dragon mark down It's the creature like dragon mark yeah, down that's right. the yeah. It's incredible oh God. I don't want to talk too much about it Because we'll get to it But right now I want to talk about the that that graceful underwater choreography and the atmosphere, the choice to not shoot like right up on them, but give them a little, give them some show space. us the yeah. lagoon, show us that there is more water around. Show it us doesn't the feel floor. like a tank in a studio. It doesn't, although some of it, it is. is a tank. Yeah, yeah. Um, it never feels that way. Mm-mm. A lot of K's, uh, I mean, a lot of uh, uh, Julie Adams's scenes underwater were shot on, in like a, a soundstage in a heated tank, except for one day, which was like, and it's an outdoor tank that they heated. Mm-hmm. But there was one day where it was super cold and they forgot to heat oh, it. Oh shit! <laughs> She's like, it was my one unpleasant day of filming because I was in the water all day. Because I was freezing, and it was cold. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can't blame for that shit. But it, it, I think the reason this movie survives. To this day is the same reason that Carnival of Souls survives, which is 
everyone, even though it's it's a rubber monster under the water, and it, it okay. There's a movie that Bird and I watched recently called like the the creature from Ten Thousand Leagues or something. The monster from Ten Thousand Leagues. It's another underwater monster movie. I'll never. I'll probably never watch it again. Sure. I might accidentally put it on one day and just be like, oh yeah, this thing. <laughs> But, but there's but there's no there's nothing underneath the surface. Uh-huh. Every <laughs> we're just gonna keep hitting know, those underwater puns. Um, but well, now true, I'm fishing though. for them. But uh, <laughs> but no, but every, everyone working on this cared. Yeah, and it shows the people who are doing the cinematography aren't like, yeah, let's get the rubber monster and a girl swimming. They're like, what if we shot wide? What yeah. if we show more space and then we can see how the how the the gill man moves through the water? What a smart move to showcase the grace of how how do you get so much grace when you're buried in rubber? That was my that's why I kept coming back to, to just wonderment and awe yeah. at how graceful he is. Even if he didn't have I mean he's covered in fucking rubber, dude. And blind. And blind. And, and able to get that kind of performance and movement and and you feel like the creature is is not it, 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 like the performance is how that how you would imagine the gill man creature would, would be. move yeah yeah man it's not like it never looks like a guy in a suit you can see I mean it doesn't on shore some some of that shambling stuff is a little goofy and awkward the feet but and the hands are flawless the fucking hands are stupid good dude they're like, so excellent i i even like the kind of derpy flipper feet when he's walking on the well boat he's later. also drugged at that point yeah. yeah and also probably not a ton of like walking on hard boards too so like and this would be a new choking yeah uh yeah 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 he's he's like partly asphyxiated right mm-hmm. but it doesn't have a super strong effect because he's so big right um, and usually the poison they use is just to poison fish, but we'll get to that in just a like, second. Just a hot second. When she, so she's, she's doing like her underwater spins. She's just free and at peace in the lagoon. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, every time I've watched this movie, I've never felt tense or afraid for K. I didn't on the one and only time I've watched it. I was, I wasn't creature, afraid for her. You feel like the creature's just fascinated by her yep. and that she's actually in no danger. I mean, she is in danger because the crew. She, well, she's also swimming in an unknown lagoon in the Amazon, and we've been right. told how many. There are other things that aren't this. The Kandiru fish will yeah, swim right. up your urethra, Seriously. and then, dude, you gotta don't do that. <laughs> I'm more worried about the alligators that might be in there or crocodiles. Crocodiles, are, if, you're crocodiles in the Amazon, if you're in the yeah. Amazon, yeah. But still, I'll wreck you, piranha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but the least thing that I'm worried Pai about che? is the goddamn creature from the lagoon. Well, they still don't know he exists at this That's point, right. which is nuts. So she's way too far out from the boat. So here's another. She got a little lost in her day swim. Ready for a little bit more of brilliant structuring? Yes. All right. So she's out there. By the way, I like. I don't think it's when the creature when she's her feet are kicking and the mm-hmm. creature's like reaching. And the music is giving us the stings too. The da da da. Yeah, yeah. It's it's giving yeah, us like, oh, he's gonna grab her. Yeah. Oh, he's gonna grab her. But but he behind, could and doesn't. But behind that, yeah, I think behind the, is he gonna grab her? Is he gonna grab her? There, on the surface, it's like, oh, he's going to grab her ankle and drag her down, and it's so scary. But when you actually watch the performance of the hand, it's like it would be like if you discovered something so beautiful that you were afraid to touch it. Yeah, it's love. The creature is. This is like the early infatuation where this creature is like, oh my god, this, it, can, can I, I t- touch can this I touch beautiful it? thing? Yeah, it's amazing, it, it, and it it allows for multiple reads. It allows for different emotional content in from scene to scene. So well structured. So she's out too far. And uh, yeah, 
well, oh, so her her ankle gets bumped. Yeah, he acts. He kind of dips her and a little I, bit. And I love that her. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I love that her first response isn't, "Oh my god, there's something like, out here! Swim, 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 like, swim!" What the heck was that? She's like, "Oh, there's something down there. I gotta go check that out." Flips upside down and swims straight down. Pure scientist. Fucking awesome. It's so great. That's that. No, now I'm in discovery mode. Right. Oh, there might be something to learn here. Let me go down. Let me check incredible. it out. It's amazing, dude. Not. Yeah. Fuck, man. I love that. Yeah. It's not a. Oh my god. Something touched my leg. Yeah. Like, let me shake my hair and blah blah blah. So. Fucking awesome. Ready for our false tension? False tension is when the captain notices that K is too far away from the boat. Okay, you're you're too far from the boat. You gotta come back here. Wait, we'll come to you. Start the motors. He like kicks the dude awake. He's like, get up, start the engines now. Actually, it's the captain, so he's like, get up. You need to start the engines now. Exactly. <laughs> like, dude, his he's amazing. I love him so. But he's like, he's like getting the alarm bells. He's like, everybody, yep. hey, come on, get up, get up top, get up top. The K is totally relaxed. But the tension on the boat, the fat, the amount of freaked out that that guy is makes, makes me freaked nervous. out. Yep. Like, why is he so? So she's he and he's like, take it easy. Take it easy. We'll meet you halfway. Don't get too tired out. And he's you know, he's being a little patronizing. Kay is fine. Yeah. So she starts swimming towards the boat. She's like, all right, I'll come to you. And we stop cutting underwater. Once the tension on the boat starts, we don't really get much of the creature underwater anymore. And by not showing us the creature, now we, we don't start to wonder where, where is, is he? Where is he? Is he following her? What's he going to do? Because the, it's like show, you don't show the monster's face. Once you stop, once you don't know where the monster is anymore, the monster's everywhere. Yes. So he's swimming. Oh so there's our false tension. It's like, shit, Kay, you're too fucking far out. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let's get the boat to her. Get the boat to her. Oh, she got up the, she got up the ladder. Nice, safe and sound. That's our release of tension. She gets to the ladder. And when, once we see her legs come out of the water, we're like, we're, the danger's oh, gone. Good. The second her foot hits the deck. The boat lurches to That's its so side because the the creature's in the net and it's so strong. Which was right next to her. The net is right behind her. So yeah. you so there <laughs> there's your scare yeah. and there's your structure. It's fucking brilliant. It's technically perfectly it executed. Up every, every time. time. Every scare from now on, every jump, every like big sting at the end of like a, a little faint faint jab you know every time we that get that punch gets more that punch and more, gets heavier and yep. heavier each time we go and pretty soon it's like it's learned it's like it sized you up and figured out where your weak points are and now yeah. it's gonna give you the haymaker like dude yeah the winch dude the winch is terrifying because you've seen how big the creature is watching them the winch is spinning backwards and the boom ar- the winch breaking. arm is breaking and you're like and the boat is like way to the starboard side it's starboard, almost right? taken on water at yeah. that point it's so far over yeah that boat they're it's like on full keel man you'd it's think like, you think it was like a 3,000 pound fish that they had or like the, a sh- you think it's a fucking shark from yeah Jaws they're like oh shit the Jaws shark just grabbed the boat but it's just that creature that we saw and then you realize how strong he is it's amazing alright so they they're like, okay, what ate a hole through the net? What almost trashed the boat? What ripped part of its fucking... This claw's the size of my thumb. Uh, this is not good, guys. So David and Mark decide to go down. And this is when Mark grabs his spear gun. Yep. Uh, this is... Well, so Kay, Kay and Kay's a little shaken up. As anyone as would be. As anyone would be when you find out that like... What, I was you, just swimming with something that... Almost capsized, Almost capsized the boat, boat was right behind me when I got on board. Jesus. This is where Mark gets his big spear gun and he's like, all right, 
Hang on, kill a motherfucker now. Yeah, he goes from like, eh, I just, I wish I could find some bones. He's like, all right, so we're gonna shoot this fucking thing <laughs> right in its head, okay? And then we're gonna cut its head off. Take it like, to whoa, a text. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, David is like easy. <laughs> what? Well, he goes. Take it easy, there, Jimmy Johns. There's a great moment where he yeah, says, this is a big game "Yeah, moment. yeah." <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a great moment where David's like, he says, he's like, "Wait, Mark." This thing, whatever it is, alive in its natural habitat is much more valuable to us. If it's alive, yeah. And that is why I keep... This is why this movie, every time I watch it, makes me think of Star Trek The Next Generation. David is like, yeah, it was big enough to eat through the net and it almost capsized our boat, but we were in its territory. Why don't we go study it? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's prime directive That's shit right so there, man. That's <laughs> so cool to see that in a movie. This is a monster movie. You could have David be like, we've got to protect the woman, and he pulls Would a machete. Would have been very and, easy to oh, do that. Oh, yeah, but no. And even Kay throughout the movie is like, why don't you put that down, Mark? Why don't we study this thing? Yeah. She almost got, as far as she knows, she almost got killed by this thing just now, and she's like... I would love to go and take a look at what that was and get get some Again, samples. her curiosity and scientific brain is, is these are these are some of my favorite scientists mm-hmm. in anything we've seen. None of them are mad except maybe Most Mark. Most of near the, the time, end. the scientists are fucking. They're just there to be the scientists. <laughs> right. I have a lab coat on, and right. I can tell you some jimble jamble garbage garbage. Exactly. <laughs> it's like oh. Well. And the only bit of that we get is at the very beginning when they're when they first get that hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it's all this. A lot of talk about the Devonian age. Oh, right. The age of Devons. <laughs> I don't know, man. All those Devons. <laughs> all them Devons back in the Devonian age. <laughs> um, so they go down and they uh they go down with a camera. Dude, I'm like might cry at how much I love these scientists. Mark gets his big fucking spear gun, and no one's happy about it. And David gets a gigantic camera. They hangs it's like the his first neck. Underwater, underwater camera, camera ever. ever. Yeah, the first, the one. It's about. It's just a little smaller than a VW bug. The prototype. Yeah, yeah. He puts it around Jesus. his neck and sinks to the bottom and yep, drowns immediately. <laughs> but like, fucking glass is heavy. Dude, I love, he's like, oh my god. <laughs> each each frame of film is ten pounds. <laughs> I have. Two pictures I could take, <laughs> and it's gonna cost me my life, maybe. Yeah, no shit. But he goes down. But and that's he's, what he does. Yeah, he's swimming and he's taking his pictures. I love that he picks the camera. He's like, "Yeah, Mark, fine, whatever. Have your gun. I'm gonna go and get a camera. Get a camera. I'd like to catch." This is it. how I shoot, man. I know. It's only man. It's only amazing. <laughs> um, the underwater cinema. We, we can. We've already talked about it, so let's just take it as read that when they chase the Gill Man. Mark squaring that thing up, dude. The way that he re- always has the the spear gun pointed, pointed forward, and ready, yeah, and forward too, pointing. Out. Yeah, well, because in three D, the it spear looks is coming at face. you. But like, when they shoot the creature, here's another gaff. They shoot the creature in the stomach. This one he gets it in the, and then it's in his he, back. Yeah, yeah, when he and when he flips over to swim away, it's in hard his enough back. to swim underwater when you can't see and you're in a full rubber suit and now you got a fucking harpoon in your piece back. Piece of harpoon. And this is not the only time we're gonna see him swim with a harpoon in him. Nope. God, it's so. Incredible. I know, man. You, everyone, everyone did such a good job, but the two men who played the creature cannot be applauded enough. And we haven't really seen him out of water yet, so we've been talking a lot about um, Rico Browning. Yeah. But when, once Ben Chapman gets up. I'm pretty sure Ben Chapman does the burn. So for that alone, let's have a measuring flicks moment of applause. Like seriously, Seriously. the two Gill men are, they're amazing. They're totally amazing. But when they, when they shoot the Gill man in the, and he's got the thing in his back, 
a couple times it's disturbing every time i see it when the gill man is on the bottom and he's swimming and dragging through the silt mm-hmm. like a like a like a snake that's been harmed it's like, well he's a wounded animal it's and it's such not a, fucking cool to look at and it looks it's it's a guy in a rubber suit right it looks like a wounded animal in enough to upset you mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful and ugly and and the performance is so the physicality of of the his his rocking from side to side slows a little. He favors the side that's not yeah. been shot. It's dude, it's really really remarkable. It when you watch this, it gets me all nerdy. Like I'm I'm so full of nerdy like happy goo Glee? right now. I know, yeah, man. <laughs> you watch it and you're just like honestly, I just want to go home and watch this again. I, I got it. I know, Pop a bowl right? of popcorn. <laughs> Call up whoever you got to meet after this. And just be like, yeah, we're not working on the wedding planning today. Come on over. Let's watch. I need I need that money from Coles that I spent. Oh yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. Work. You <laughs> pop over there. I'll watch Dracula with without the score real quick. <laughs> non Philip Glasgow. Oh. Mine's still blown. <laughs> well, that's one thing you can't help watching this movie, and I think we're gonna run into this throughout this entire series for you this. Can't month. help but not think about the, the other universal in the canon. monster yeah. movies. Not canon. But the universal, yeah, the universal and, set, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and it's and the only ones you really counter the OGs except for Frankenstein because Bride of Frankenstein is phenomenal. Like I know it's a I sequel. I always forget that Bride of Frankenstein is really fucking good. I always think that that's the super cheesy one, but it is. It, it is. It is cheesy. Oh as yeah, hell. Well, of course, oh, dude. Like, we are not. I don't think we're going to talk about it this year. But when we get, you're right. <laughs> yeah, this earrings. Fucking! Mm. I slept on this side last night. Yeah, I remember when Bird got her her yeah. started uh, gauging her ears. She'd sleep on them rather than on her back. She'd wake up and there'd be blood all over the pillow, yep. and she's like, "Oh god, uh, this hurts real bad." But um, you, you can't help but think about the other Universal movies mm-hmm. and how differently they're executed. I, I'm actually really excited that we're doing the the lesser known ones. Yeah, me too. Because we're gonna get Karloff, but him in the Mummy rather than him in Frankenstein, and. And this movie has this. The tone of this film is unlike any of the. The weirdly enough, the one that it's probably closest to is the Invisible Man, which is kind of like a, like a comedy. It's a goofy. Yeah. It's goofier, you know. Um, it's it's so strange. I I absolutely love it. I think, I think that the reason that all of the Universal monster movies are, be, have become like canonized as horror classics, is fully on evident, uh, fully on display in this film, which mm-hmm. is. Universal was making horror movies, but they were making they were making horror movies with like with, with intent. a brain, yeah, with a with a brain with intent with money behind them, heart too, shady shit behind the scenes yeah, sometimes. Sure. But like you know, yeah, with heart. I mean, we we haven't we've watched Frankenstein. We've never talked about it for the show. I don't think, but like the the pathos of a silent performance that you get out of Boris Karloff. Is kind of unlike. Do you want a film nerd real quick with me? Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Night of the Living Dead and All right. and how film changes after Night of the Living Dead because I think this is actually important in this conversation. Sure, sure. Before Night of the Living Dead, you have movies like yes, you have a lot of B pictures that are not great. Giant Gila monster, yeah, dude. It's, there's there's giant spider invasion. Yeah, there's yeah. there's garbage, but a lot of a lot of what the movies were working with was the writing. Was working with formalist structure. Was working with using musical stings and beautiful cinematography and money and writing. They're mm-hmm. thought. They're well thought out. And I love Night of the Living Dead. I love it. I think the writing in it is phenomenal. I think it's really well shot. But I sometimes think that Night of the Living Dead is the turning point for the worse of independent horror films in, in America. 
because George Romero executes that film perfectly. It's correct. So well written, so well shot. It's gorgeous. It has He's breaking stereotypes. He's so much going on in that movie. But I feel like what a lot of people, what a lot of filmmakers took from it, rather than its technical successes, was its spectacle. Right. It's gore. Zombies it's, eating there's, there's, intestines. Yeah, there's and, yeah. people eating raw meat. They're pulling intestines out of people. There's bodies getting burned to like greasy black smears in the basement. There's blood splashing on the walls. And rather than grasp the, what I think is the true horror of Night of the Living Dead, which we will do someday, so I won't go yes. too deep into it, but that is an, that, that movie, the horror of that film is existential. It's not the zombies. It's what the zombies might represent or mean. And I feel like a lot of filmmakers... I think Night of the Living Dead is 60, 68, 67. It's, it's in that later, yeah, later yeah. I think it's mid to late 60s. But post that, a lot of filmmakers start to go for the splash and for the gore. And the writing becomes less important. And the cinematography. The spectacle becomes the thing. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to like worry about how your shots are being framed as long as you can show us a lot of blood in them. Right. And look, I love slashers as much as the yeah, next person, too. but until you get that this what I'm going to call like the new wave film directors like Jordan Peele and like Ari Aster and like the company A24 every yes, fucking every thing they do fucking thing, yeah. but there's these are like postmodernist horror directors Guillermo del Toro is a great example Crimson Perfect Peaks Shape of example. Water you know Pan's Labyrinth I would call like a fantasy, fantasy horror, horror film. absolutely and when what we see with these directors is a return to the pre-Night of the Living Dead. And again, I'm not shitting on Night of the Living Dead. I love that movie, but it does mark a change. Absolutely. And I think pre-Night of the Living Dead, we're seeing a return to thoughtful horror that creates tension and dread rather than just showing us guts, guts. you know? Mm-hmm. So I wanted it to... It shows us guts instead of guts. Yeah. It's, it's movies full of guts rather than movies with guts. Yep. You know? Absolutely. So I, I don't know. I... I feel such a nostalgia for the Universal Monster movies every time I watch them, and I think it's because of what, until very recently, I'm, I think we live, we're currently living in a golden age of horror movies. We are back into fucking some amazing shit happening. Have with you? I, I know I lent it to you. Have you? Have you watched The Witch yet? No. Nope. This is why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a scarred. You're scarred. I'm a, I'm a scarred of watching it. It's by not will. as it's not as scary as Hereditary. I'll tell you that right now. Is but it an Ari Aster or is it just an A24? A24. Okay. It's a very atmospheric dude. If you want to uh, next get, next yeah. time you guys come over, bring it back and we'll all have a cookout and watch it. It's really Fair fun. Enough. It's as long really as there's fun. No clowns in it. No, nope, no clowns. Just good. naked people near the end and a goat that talks sometimes. You'll love it, dude. You're gonna love the witch. I might You're just love it. Watch this today. Watch the shit out of it. <laughs> and then text me and be like, I'm sorry, I didn't watch it sooner.